Hi, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Debutify podcast, the premier e-commerce podcast brought to you by Debutify. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and joining me today is Brian Clayton, the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called Uber for Lawn Care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users completing thousands of transactions a day. On this episode, Brian and I discuss the ins and outs of GreenPal, how he built a trustworthy brand how he was able to scale, and much more. Here's our interview now. Brian, welcome to the show. Alex, great to connect, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm very happy to have you. So your company, GreenPal, why don't you tell me a little bit about them? Yeah, GreenPal is an app that works like Uber or Instacart or Postmates, but for lawn care. So if you're a homeowner and you need to get a lawn mowing service, rather than calling around on Craigslist or Facebook or something, you just download GreenPal. You pop your address in and someone comes out and takes care of the chore for you. And GreenPal is a 10-year, I think now 11-year overnight success. We have we have been at this thing for a little over a decade and now we're nationwide in the United States. So if you live anywhere in a city with over 15,000, 20,000 people, you can use GreenPal to get a lawn mowing service. Absolutely. And it's pretty cool how easy it is to do. I don't often do this with a lot of guests and products that I interview, but I was kind of curious. So it said, get a quote now. So I did. I literally put in my email, said, you know, put in my address. And within, I don't know, honestly, 60 seconds, I had two different people contact me to mow my lawn and gave me bids uh, almost immediately. And I thought that was really fascinating to kind of see it from my side. So I'm, I'm curious how that bidding process works? Do landscapers kind of automate these bids or how how does that process from me putting in my email and my address to getting these bids, how does that kind of work? Yeah, no, they don't automate it. It's a very manual process. And so normally you as the consumer would have to manually do all of this. So there's no shortage of places you can go for names and phone numbers and maybe reviews. So you could go to like Angie's List, Home Advisor, Thumbtack, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, and you could get 10 or 20 names and phone numbers for lawn care services nearby you, but then you have to manually poll them. You have to call them. You have to say, hey, here's my address. Come out and take a look at it. Give me a quote. And sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. And it's a very manual process. And for the vendor, it's a manual process as well. They have to, maybe they might look it up on, on Google Maps or something like that, or but it's still, they have to like deal with it in a manual way. They have to take the phone call. They have to call you back. And so that process can normally take hours or days if you're lucky. And so with GreenPal, we have simplified that quoting and discovery price discovery process by taking everything we know about your property and your needs when you sign up, uh, getting the lot size in terms of how big the property is from the from the city or county records, collecting the aerial imagery, the street imagery, and any other things that you might say about your property. And then also comparing that with, okay, here's the average price for that zip code for that street and keying that up for service providers nearby you. So they can look at Alex's quote request and say, okay, yeah, no, this is a $42 lawn, 42 bucks. And then they send that off. And so what normally takes hours or days, we can simplify in minutes for you, the, 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 the consumer, but also for the service provider. So they can quote 10 or 12 of these in 10 or 12 minutes rather than having to drive all over town or or pay an estimator or something like that. In my example, right, I had two lawn care professionals contact me 
and give me the exact same quote, $50 from this guy and $50 from this guy. So how would you recommend that I kind of personally vet those guys? Which bid should I take in that scenario? I mean, how are customers supposed to navigate that bidding process? Yeah, it's a great question. So normally you would just shoot from the hip. You don't know. You might get a recommendation from a friends and family. You might see some reviews on Yelp or Angie's List or something like that. But it's very much like, okay, I guess I'll go with this guy. But with GreenPal, we offer you a lot more rich information about who you're hiring and, and, and why you're going to make which selection for who you want to work with. We score them on a what we call a reliability rating. So how often do they show up uh, on the day they're supposed to? And if, if you hire them for Thursday, are they going to actually show up and mow the yard on Thursday? And so they're scored on that. So Nowhere else in the world can you get that kind of information about service providers. The other thing we score them on is an ongoing rating, which means how often do people they work with book them for a second, third, or fourth visit? And that's a very good indicator of, are people happy with their services? And then you can, as the consumer, say, okay, you know, I got two quotes here for 50 bucks. This guy's got 100 reviews. This guy's got 10 reviews. They both have a five-star rating. But this guy's reliability rating is is like... 89% and the other guys is only 60%. And I actually need it done Thursday because I have a party on Friday. And so that enables you to make the best hiring decision. Or on the flip side, it's like, no, this is a rental property. I just need the city to not find me. And I need it mowed every like 14 days to keep the tenants happy. And I really don't care what day it happens. This guy's 35 bucks. This one is 50. This guy has a, a little bit weaker reliability and maybe... Maybe he's just getting started in the business, so he doesn't have as many reviews, but I'm going to give him a shot. So you can very uh, fluidly look at what your options are and make the best decision for, for what you need because it's not a commodity. You know, It, it very much uh, varies on what your needs are and what, and what the service providers kind of tailored to. That's how you, I would recommend you approach it if you end up using it. No, that's great. I love it. To be totally honest, I um, mowed the front of my lawn the other day and I have to mow the back of my lawn today and I'm feeling like I might... I might pay someone else to do it so I can get some work done. So we'll see. What uh, states or countries do you service with GreenPal? Yeah, so we're just in the United States. These invisible lines between us and Canada and, and are very real. So we're in every major city in the United States, every state. But we have like tried to like go into from Seattle to Vancouver or or even like Buffalo to Toronto, and like you would be amazed at how how real that line is and and how different you have to like modify the system. To, to be able to operate internationally. So we haven't crossed that bridge mainly because we really have a whole, whole lot more white space to go uh, here in the United States. We have 300,000 people, give or take, using the app to get lawn mowing services. But the business, the industry is like a $99 billion industry. And so we're still just very much a drop in the bucket. So we're probably for the foreseeable future going to keep focusing on building more liquidity and more transactions in cities here in the US. It's weird like the distribution of of activity on the platform follows what they call like the power law, which means like uh 20% of all or 80% of all the activity happens in 20% of the markets. We're trying to figure out like why does a Knoxville, Tennessee do more transactions than a Seattle? And so we have a lot of work to do there. No, I think that's fascinating. Those factors to look into. How do you ensure that you are working with the best lawn care professionals? I mean, how does that vetting process work? Yeah, it's a process. So the first thing we do is is we make sure, okay, are they a real business? Do they have the equipment? Do they 
have a, you know, we, we match their name against an, an ID. Uh, we, we make sure they have a legit social security number and bank account and all these things. So that's like step one, but that's just like table stakes. Whereas you as the consumer, you don't even know those things. Uh, if, if, if you're doing this the old way, if you're doing it in analog, you're kind of just taking a leap of faith on that stuff. But at least we check that. And then the real process starts from that moment forward where we rigorously score these service providers on, okay, this is their first kind of like appointment that they have on the platform. And it's kind of like an audition. And did they show up on time? Did they make the consumer happy? And if they didn't, we really demote them and, and give them one more chance. And if they don't satisfy that appointment excellently, then we'd uh, expel them from the platform. So there's a kind of like this uh, process by which we weed out the service providers that aren't reliable, that don't take this business very seriously and promote the ones that are good. And it really is tied to actual transactions where, whereas other platforms, if you hired somebody off of Facebook marketplace, it really still is tied to just a name and a phone number. They're not capturing the actual activity that's happening. They're not in the middle of the transaction, but because we are, we can figure out who's good, who's reliable, who's getting hired again, and who's not, and promote the ones that are good and demote the ones that aren't good. No, that's great. So you get to create this kind of, like the reliability score, you, you then get to create this system in which you are ranking and rating. Exactly. And telling customers that you are at the same time. That's right. And you can't do these sorts of things unless you are an end-to-end solution. And it's really hard to deliver that. It's it's hard to kind of deliver the push a button and something actually just happen type of experience. But when you do, you can then regulate all of these things and and kind of be an invisible hand to help make the experience run faster, quicker, smoother as time goes on and you collect more data and you get better and better at it. Absolutely. I'm curious how GreenPal, how y'all get a profit. I'm, I'm kind of assuming that you take a cut of what of every bid that a lawn care professional gets. Do you mind explaining that part to me a little bit? That's right. It's a simple marketplace model. Works the same as as Uber and Airbnb and Upwork and and uh, and Instacart. We just take a a, tra- a piece of the transaction, and that varies depending on how much volume the vendor is doing through the platform. And if they're doing a lot of volume, it goes down. If they're just getting started, it's a little higher. We are experimenting with premium tools that service providers will pay to use. It's really hard to be in the SaaS business and the marketplace business at the same time. There's very few examples of companies that have managed to pull that off, uh, but we are experimenting that. How do you advertise? What what kind of marketing channels do you use? Because I was kind of surprised that I'd never heard of you. And it seems like you're everywhere. So part of me guesses that the model is very word of mouth because that's kind of like the community of workers, lawn care professionals, people talking to each other. Hey, this guy did really well on my lawn. You want to hire him? I mean, that just feels like the guts of the business even before you put GreenPal on top of it. So I'm curious what uh, marketing channels or type of advertising GreenPal does. It's an important question because lack of distribution kills more startups than anything, especially more marketplaces than anything. And so the primary way we people discover us is just through organic SEO. They, I need a lawn mowing service nearby me in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or, or in Lincoln, Nebraska, you name it, any city in the country. We have, over time, developed a strategy and, and have developed a playbook to, to have our landing page in one of the 10 that you can consider when you're conduct that search on Google. And that's how we get about half of the users that use the platform. The other half come from, like you said, word of mouth. And there's no like one silver bullet that we've implemented to juice that other than just try to 
make as many people happy as possible. That's basically it. Like building a product that solves people's problems that people uh, got value from and want to tell their friends and family about. I don't know, like for me, whenever I save money on something or take time on something, I want to brag about it. Hey, you know, <laughs> I, I ordered an Uber at the airport the other day and it was only 18 bucks to get home, whereas the cabs were, were $47. And, and I want to like brag about that. And so people will tell other people about it if they were satisfied, if, if it actually solved the problem and made their life a little easier. And so that's how we, we have built word of mouth over a decade. It didn't start off that way. The platform was really hard to use. It was cumbersome. It didn't have the tools it needed in the, in the early days. And so as time, we've just focused on making it better and better and better. No, that's great. And, and I'm looking forward to talking about that a little later in the show, how, how the uh, company has grown in that over a decade, because that's, uh, you know, that's a lifetime in, in the e-commerce business a little bit. I think that's pretty impressive. I'm extremely curious, though, because I, I did some navigating on your website. What do you guys do in the winter? You know, I mean, not a lot of people are mowing their lawn come November or December. So is that something that you kind of just grin and bear it or or, or what's the solution there? Because that's my immediate obstacle that I see. Yeah, it's it's challenging. The business does doesn't flatline in the winter, but it, it, it goes down by, you know, 70, 80 percent. And the thing about being in a seasonal business is you just have to you have to embrace it. You have to plan for it. The thing that makes it hard is the thing that makes it valuable. The fact that it is a seasonal business, it kind of in a way wards off competitors because that's this one more dynamic that makes makes it makes the nut hard to crack. But what do we do to mitigate that? You know, we 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 really try to focus on dominating the year-round markets. So everything in Florida we do we do pretty darn well at. Southern Southern California and, and southern parts of Texas, we do darn well at, and and they're year round, and so and so that helps keep keep the lights on, so to speak. The other thing we we built about two years ago was uh, snow plowing. We we added on the ability to order snow plowing on the platform. We thought it was going to be a simple thing. We thought, hey, you know, we've already got the system, we got the vendors, we got both sides of the marketplace, because a lot of guys that cut grass, also plow snow in the, in the northern markets. And little did we know that it was basically like launching a whole new business. It was We had to build the system almost from scratch just for snow plowing. And the messaging of consumers knowing, you know, okay, now I'm ordering a snow plowing service. This is my lawn service, keeping those separated, making all that real clear and clean was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But that helps us generate some revenue. But what it does more than anything is it keeps us relevant and in the press year round. And so uh, local earned media is a big part of our SEO strategy. So news channel five, you know, Fox news channel six or, or the, your local paper talking about, Hey, we're about to get a foot of snow here in Buffalo. Did you know that there's an app for that? And, you know, talking about green power and, and, and that keeps us in the press, keeps signups uh, occurring, keeps the property vibrant, and also helps our, our service providers, helps them make money so they stay in business and maybe helps them earn some revenue so they can buy a new mower come springtime and really crush it uh, on the platform You know when the grass starts growing again. I love the idea of the snowplow. And that's kind of why I asked is because I, I was curious. It looked like it was baked into or, or more like an addendum to the business model. And I was curious how, how it was working. And I thought, I think the same thing as you, it's, it's just 
change the weather and change the tool and it should be the exact same. And it kind of surprises me that it isn't. So I hope that you do find some success with that because I think that's both of those things are things that I've done before when I was a kid, you know? It's a cautionary tale to anybody wanting to do something similar to this in, in any any space. It can really be helpful to focus on just one vertical at a time. Every service business has a million problems and they're all different. And and you have to build the the tool set to be tailored to that experience, to that workflow. And, and the only reason why we're here a decade in and doing well is because we have focused on just one thing. We are the easiest, quickest, cheapest way to get a lawn mowing service to mow your yard tomorrow. We don't do anything else other than that. And I want to kind of talk about that psychology of lawn mowing. And, and I'm curious if this went into your business model. So, you know, I feel like, as I just mentioned, Almost every guy on the planet has worked for a landscaping company at some point, or at the very least has had to mow their own lawn, right? So I think there's some sort of respect for landscapers because people understand the workload more intimately. I mean, this is also why I think everyone should be required to work in the service industry or wait a table at some point in time to have that kind of mutual respect, but that's beside the point. My assumption is that with the the reputation of landscapers as kind of you know quiet dignity and the relatability of their workload does that mean that there is kind of less controversy and drama between uh landscapers and customers than with other matchmaking services services like a a postmates or a doordash or an uber eats or, or or uber or lyft or any of these things where people don't drive other people or don't don't get paid to i mean i just feel like um, is that off base or was that considered when developing the idea i'm i'm kind of curious about that side yeah great question uh, first off to your point you know one of my favorite things uh, there was a guy named chris saka that used to be a real uh real good angel investor and he he said that he wouldn't invest in people unless they've worked a crappy job in their life, <laughs> you know. Like he would not, he would not invest in a founder unless they waited tables or mowed grass or painted houses or something. So there is something to like correlated between working those grimy ground and pound hand to hand combat type jobs and an inevitable inevitable success in some way. And my background is actually in the landscaping business. I I started a lawn mowing business in, in high school and over like fifteen years grew that into a bigger company and sold it and then took what I learned. And the scars from the, the the lawn care business, and then applied it to starting GreenPal. And to your point, my assumption is at the starting block was that these service providers would be eager and hungry for the work, and that they would, because I know I was running a, a landscaping company. Yeah, shoot, give me twenty opportunities, I'll close ten of them, and I'll show up on the day I'm supposed to, because that's how I'm going to grow my business. And one of the one of the first things I was really shocked by, and surprised by was that, no, that is not the case. That's like 1% of service providers. That The reality is, is that nobody teaches any of us how to run a small business. We're not taught how to run a small business in high school. We're not taught how to run one in college if you go to business school. And so, and so you as the business owner are, are like left up to like your interactions in the real world, in the marketplace to learn how to run a small business, what it means to be proactive, what customer service looks like, what what follow-up looks like and, and what timeliness and scheduling and doing a thorough quality job looks like. And nobody teaches any of us this stuff. It's kind of like up to our own to learn it. And so I was really surprised by the disparity of that and, and that and that actually it really does suck as a consumer 
to get a reliable lawn, lawn mowing service that's just going to show up on the day they're supposed to and do what they say they're going to do. It's not as easy as you would think. You would think you would just have people like banging your door down for your money, but the reality is it's like pulling teeth. Uh, and 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 the case of the disappearing lawn guy is is very real. They'll show up like one or two times and just drop off the face of the earth. And so all of the reasons, all of the the reasons why that sucks are now my problem. Like as the platform, as the marketplace, I have to solve all of those. And so, like to your point, I thought, well, you know, these are professionals. These are these are lawn care services that 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 are in business for themselves. They're going to want to do a good job for these clientele. And that was not the case, and and still is not the case. Um, and that's really the main value proposition we bring to consumers is we indoctrinate and kind of modulate these service pros into a system where they need to perform very well or they're out. And 90% don't make it. 90% of the service providers that come onto the platform don't get through the step-by-step process of, of, of separating the good ones from the, the not-so-good ones. And so the reality is, is the barriers to entry are very low. Anybody can can get into the business just with about five hundred or a thousand dollars of equipment, and and nobody has taught them how to run a small business ever. And so it's our platform's job to step by step teach them what it means to show up on time, to do a good job. To you know, they don't work for us; they're not our contractors, but we're kind of like a coach in their pocket. And because when they succeed the platform succeeds. And so their success and our success are totally aligned. And the reality is 90% don't, don't, don't make it through that. I do have a follow-up for you, Brian. Do you think that's because people go into business? I mean, one of the greatest reasons people go into business for themselves is autonomy. So do you think that's because they like their autonomy? They decide to try to get some money from working for you realize that it's maybe more regulated than they would have liked. And then they kind of just put their hands in the air and say, I can do this by myself. There is uh, some of that, you know, personality, the type of person who just doesn't like to be uh, held accountable is doesn't, is not going to do well on our platform. You know, we're going to score you if you show up on time or not, and we're going to give you more or less opportunities based on that score. A lot of people don't like that. They don't like somebody uh, looking over their activity on a platform and making decisions based on that. And so if that's the case, you know, they're just not going to succeed on our platform and, and we demote or expel them from the platform. And that, you know, that's a lot of people to be a business owner. The problem is, is, is that a lot of people approach owning and running a small business from the mindset of being an employee. And they're very, very different. Um, you have to self-manage, you have to be held accountable. You have to be proactive. I mean, even to this day, we've got 32,000 contractors. We'll get calls into our support. Hey, my kid is sick today and I can't get my 23 lawns that I have on my account. Can you get somebody else to do them? And it's like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> you are in business for yourself. You should have done them you know, yesterday, or you should have a helper that's going to fill in for you, but that's not how this works. Or you call, you pick up the phone and call them and apologize to them and reschedule it yourself, right? Exactly. And so now I'm sounding very negative on, on like the small business owner supply base in the lawn care industry. The reality is, is that it is comprised of some of the best, hardest working small business owners you will ever meet that actually do really well. We have a lot of providers that are making over a million dollars a year on our platform, but that is not everybody. And the problem is as a consumer, you have to go through this process of weeding through these small business owners that aren't serious about running a small business 
that aren't giving it 110%, that don't know the difference between working a job and running a small business. And you have to go through those negative experiences as a consumer to figure out a good one. It's our job to help a consumer sidestep that. What are some of those steps that you've had to... It, clearly, there's been some some growing pains along the way. What are some of those lessons that you've learned in the last 11 years, over 11 years, and, and how has the company grown since its inception? Yeah, it really is just always looking at one thing. How do we make vendors more money? And how do we make them more successful? And how do we build tools that do that? You know, the reliability rating is something that vendors generally hate. They don't like it because they look at it from a a negative disposition and look at it as a derogatory thing, but actually it makes them more money because it's an opportunity for them to earn new business and beat their competition in a way that they never could before. And you know, if you have a higher reliability rating, you then get a little bit of pricing power. You can charge five or ten dollars more a mowing for that customer that values reliability. And actually you can expand your margins on the platform uh, versus in the wild west of of home services, you don't have any way to sell off of that other than like your word. That in a weird way is something that actually makes the top performing vendors more money. And so we we look at one thing, make vendors more money because when we do, when we do that, the platform earns more money and then the platform has extra revenue to invest in other things around new tools, growth, and so on. No, that's great. I think that makes a lot of sense. What's next for you guys? I mean, we talked about Canada. We talked about expanding the snow plowing services. I mean, what what is top priority for you? It really is about doing more of what we're already pretty good at, and making it even better, and doubling down on that. We we you know we're at three hundred thousand or so people using it. We need to get to a million. We we got to be at a million people using the platform to to be in what we call like the lexicon of the English language. We want to be in the same conversation of. Get a, you know, jump on DoorDash, get your Chinese food, jump on Instacart, get your groceries, you know, get an Uber ride to the airport. And and why are you going to mow the yard? Just get a green pallet. That's a cool, that's a cool goal, honestly. Yeah, that's what I say. And, and really trying to get into home cleaning or trying to do Canada or trying to, you know, expand the snow plowing. None of that aligns with the goal of how do we get a million people using it to cut their grass? Um, and so in a way it simplifies things. It makes things easier in our decision-making. It's like, no, we just got to figure out how do we get more transactions in every single city? How do we make more people happy? Uh, how do we make vendors more money? Because everything tracks back to that and is doing more of what we're pretty good at already and doubling down and leaning into that. No, that's great. I love the idea of, I want people to say, I need to get my lawn green palled, you know, <laughs> instead of even mowed or whatever. So yeah, just get a green pal. Why are you going to mow your yard? Just get a green pal. 10 years ago, that didn't exist. Now it does in some little way. And we want to make it, you know, own a little small piece of that mind share of the American consumer. That's great. Before we wrap up, Brian, I always ask my guests the same last question, essentially about how those in the e-commerce industry are operating 24-7. And it's a highly uh, stress-inducing industry and community. My question to you, Brian, is what are your hobbies and interests that you practice in your free time to establish good work-life harmony and mental health hygiene? Great question. In the early days, it was none. It was like five, I spent five years, and I don't wear this as a badge of honor, but it's just how, how, how it happened for me and my team. I spent five years in a windowless office seven days a week trying to get this thing going. You know, like there was no balance. And so I think if you're just getting started, there isn't going to be balance. And I think your friends and your family should describe you as an animal. They should say, man, I mean, you see how hard he's working on that thing? He's an animal. Like, like he's, 
he's like a rabid dog trying to make that thing happen. I think that should be, you know, how, how you roll for the first two, three, four, five years. Cause I don't know any other way to get something going from scratch. If you've never done it, I had built and sold a business before I started this, but in many ways it was my first business all over again. There was just so much to learn. There was so much work to do that there was no other way. You know, then after we got, you know, a couple thousand customers and and making a little bit of money, pay ourselves just a decent salary, not even market. I was able to pull back a little bit and because I was going to burn out if I kept running that hard. And then I started doing things that in a weird way, I was able to connect to the business mission. And so like I, I signed up for a marathon and 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 ran that and that helped me a lot in terms of like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, parallels between training and running for a marathon and, and growing a, a, a tech business. And then I started doing like uh, Muay Thai boxing, which was which I just once a week I would meet with a guy and he would teach me like the basics. And and then I got into sparring and and Muay Thai boxing and I started like making the connection between this is a lot like building a business in a way because it, you don't really know anything until you start sparring and and you can watch all the YouTube videos you want. And you can you can read all the blog posts you want, uh, but until you start sparring with the customer, nothing matters. And so, like I started like connecting all of these these things I was doing to like balance my mental health and my physical health with the business itself. But the reality is, man, for ten years it's been all about the business. It, you know, ninety percent of my mental bandwidth goes to trying to make this thing better and smoother. Well, that's great. I mean, there's no substitute for action, right? That's right. One of my favorite quotes is "Intensity is the strategy," and I don't know who said it, but that's a great thing to always remind ourselves of. Intensity is the strategy. Quit thinking about a million ways to do it. Do something intensely. That sounds like a general. That sounds like Patton or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Brian, I really appreciate your time, man. Good luck with uh, Green Pal. And until next time, thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. I enjoyed it. I'd like to thank my guest, Brian Clayton, for joining me on the show and come back on Tuesday when I talk with Alina Vleit, the co-founder and founder of PressX and AZ Rank, respectively, which are two companies designed to help brands launch and strategically rank products on Amazon and e-commerce platforms at large. For more information about Brian, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Brian M. Clayton. To learn more about GreenPal, you can check out their website, yourgreenpal.com. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at yourgreenpal or follow them on Facebook at GreenPal Lawn Care. That's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you come back to find new episodes being published every Tuesday and Thursday. Until next time.